Louisville, Garland, Dallas. Just make some knowledge when I say that, when I say your campus. Whether you're in Prosper, come on, Prosper, bring it up, bring it up. Whether you're in the Lou, Louisville on the west side. Whether you're in Garland on the east side. You're not in Garland. Garland's in Garland. Whether you're in uh, Dallas, you think you're the coolest people on the planet because you live in Uptown, hey, and you think you're really cool. Ah. Or whether you're part of a global family and you're in LA kicking it by the beach with a cup of coffee. Ah. Don't want to be you, your gas price is too high. Ah. Or if you're in Plano, Texas. Uh, good to see you. Thanks for being in the house. We're really excited. Um, I've got a long sermon today. Get ready. Put your seatbelt on. You're going to be all right. Um, so why don't you start by standing with me and let's read the word of the Lord. Um, I have 15 verses. We're not going to read all 15. We're not going to read. No, don't start at number one. Actually, let me, let me make this TV better because it's a little lean. How about that? Let's see. Can I do it without it? What happens if it just falls? Wouldn't that be funny on live TV, y'all? It'd be funny, wouldn't it? Actually, it wouldn't be funny. Um, but uh, I think that's it. Is that better? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's go to verse number four. Let's start at verse four. And Oh, you can't start right there. Uh, let's go to verse... No, we need to start right here. All right, let me give you the context. Um, Jesus, it's the night before he would be... Um, tried and then crucified and everything else. He's in, they call this the upper room discourse. He has just finished a meal called the Passover meal. And then he's going to head toward the Lord's Supper with his boys. Twelve of them are at the Passover meal. Only 11 of them will be in the, in the communion service or the, the Last Supper. And, and he's about to do something because... Um, his disciples are still convinced that he needs to be a king and he needs to take over from Rome and he needs to let one be on the right and one be on the left and that they're going to rule. So they're convinced he is coming to save us. And save us mean from the Roman occupation. And he said, well, hold on. I'm going to turn things upside down a little bit because you seem to think that all you have to do is put on a little Jesus and keep the lifestyle of the Romans and keep the lifestyle of the occupiers going. And he said, no, no, no. I've come to do something completely different. <laughs> completely different. And if you understand the gospel, you're going to understand what he says. So here we go, everybody. Let's go. Uh, he, he, he got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a... Stop. Taking a... Last time. Taking a... He girded himself. Next verse. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Now, here it is. Uh, what, the, what the guy that was lowest on the totem pole, I mean, I mean he, he wore a specific towel because all he did was wash feet. Jesus, the, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega, then decides, I'm going to show you who you're supposed to be as a believer. And he says, the next verse, here we go. So he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Now, many of us are like Simon. We talk first and think second. Don't laugh at him, because many of us are like that. Next verse. Here you go. Jesus answered and said to him, What do, do you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter? What I'm about to do, you don't get it yet, but you will. He's talking to all of us now. Christians who said we want to be Christ followers, he says, you don't understand, but you will afterwards. Next verse. Here's what he said. Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. No, 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 you don't run past that. Um, you got to contort your face and say it with an attitude like Peter would. Right now, here we go, everybody. Never would you wash my feet. 
That's it. Arrogant. So now Jesus is not just dealing with dirty feet. He's dealing with prideful minds. So now we got two problems. Dirty feet, prideful hearts, and prideful minds. Here we go. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part. That's why you read the scriptures. If you don't allow me to model for you who I am, then you can't be a follower of me because this is who I am. Let me say to you, if you don't make it a habit of being the chief servant wherever you are, then you might think you know me, but you really don't understand the gospel. Next verse. <laughs> Simon Peter said to him, Lord, but also my hands and my head. Dude, you go too far, man. You go too far, dude. All Jesus says, I want to wash your feet. Why you got to say, well, well, well then, you know what? Well, just give me everything, God. Just, just wash my head, my hair, my weave. Let's wash everything. If you know you like Peter, just wave your hand. If you know you like Peter, just love to run your mouth. If anybody ask you nothing, you just love to run your mouth. Help us all, Lord. Help us all. Help us all. Next one. <laughs> Jesus said to him, he who hath bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not My God. That's because there's a Judas in the house. So yeah, you clean, but I still need to take care of your feet. But one of you, your heart's so wicked. Because, be, don't laugh at Judas. Because you're driven by money. Before you laugh at Judas, ask what your idol is. Because you might have the same idol Judas did. Mm-hmm. Before, before you go too far, just ask yourself, have I betrayed Jesus for money? See, you don't like those questions, do you? Have I, have I sold Jesus out and his bride because of money? You don't, have to think, you don't have to think that long to find out if you have. We got some Judases in the house. We need to confess. Um, next verse, next verse, next verse. Here we go. Almost done. For he knew... The one who was betraying him, for this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. Next verse. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? Here's the point. This is the crescendo. Here's where we're going. Next verse. You call me and Lord, and you are right, for so I have stopped right there. He's saying, he's setting them up now. You call me Lord. You say I'm the one you want to worship. You say that I'm king of kings, Lord of lords, lily of the valley, bright and morning. That's who you call me. But I'm getting ready to show you that you're not like the Pharisees. Because they had power, but they lorded it over them. Not so with you. On your job, just because you have power and a title don't mean you walk around like you're better than somebody else. Just because you have power and a title don't mean you treat people differently. He has called you to do what he did for you. Watch it. Next verse. If, then, if I then, and the teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, there's a problem with this text. There's a problem. Because there is a perplexing question that you should ask. He says, uh, if I then, the Lord and the teacher, wash your feet. Here's what the rest of the text should say. You also ought to wash my feet. That's what I think it should say. But that's not what it says. Because Jesus has no agenda... Because Jesus is not interested in, I'll serve you so you can serve me. 
What he does, he doesn't do so that people will like him and return the favor to him. He does it as a model so everybody else knows this is normal for the person who names the name of Jesus. So it's easy to do something for somebody and, and walk around like, you know you owe me, right? Come on now, you know you do that. You do it to God all the time. You give a little money and you say, all right, God, I did right by you. So come on, show enough, show out. Because if you don't, I ain't going back to no more church. You do it to your spouse. All right. That's what I did for you this time. I'm coming home early. Let's, let's keep reading. Next, <laughs> next, next verse. I got issues, y'all. I got issues. Um, um, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. For I gave you an example. Everybody say that word with me that you also should do as I did to you. Do you get it? Here's all he's saying. My job is to model the way for you. I'm asking you to do, if you're going to turn this world upside down, you cannot be a star. You've got to be a servant. Which therefore means the way up in my kingdom is down. I, if you would, last week I said it this way. If you can see what God sees, you will do what God says. I know everybody around you want to power up. He says, not so with you. You don't power up. What you do is you get on your knees and you wash their feet. All right, so at all the campuses, ushers, you can come down the aisles now. We have bowls for everybody and towels so you can wash the person next to your feet. Ushers, come in. Oh, I'm joking. Nobody leave. I'm joking. You may be seated. Mm -hmm. You'd be like, oh, Lord, <laughs> we done gone back to the old, real old church of God in Christ. <laughs> I ought to do it one day. You would run up out of church. Um, Father, help us now, will you, uh, to simply embrace what you have modeled for us as the path of the believer. If we know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior, God, this ought to be normal. It ought to be the way we think. It ought to be the, the desire of our hearts. Will you remind us of that truth today? Help us to see as you see, so we will do what you say in Jesus' name. All campuses, everybody said? Amen. 54%, uh, 54% of teenagers are convinced that they want to be celebrities when they get past 25. Their whole goal is I want to be a celebrity because I want to be a star. I want people to know my name. I want to be a household name. And I don't care what it takes, and I don't care what I have to sell. I want to be a star. Ladies and gentlemen, the number one desire of business acumen, the, the thing people want most, the culture has taught us the most, is they've said, if you want to go up, you got to promote yourself. Because ain't nobody going to promote you. Ladies and gentlemen, in our culture today, it's more prevalent than ever before that everybody wants to make a name for themselves. It is in that culture that you live. And Jesus now says, uh, I, 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 that's not why I came, and I don't want you to live like that, and I actually want you to be the chief servant of all. Wherever you go, I want them to know you as a servant, not as a star. The problem is that many of us, um, we've got some gifts, but we, we're very careful about how we use the gifts and abilities God's given us. All right. The year was uh, 2018. Uh, it, the location was Thailand. 
There are 12 boys that were playing soccer with their assistant coach. They went to the beach and they, they, ex they started the exploration process of figuring out what's in this cave. They went from one cave to the next and before they knew it, they were all the way in. It then started to rain and rain real hard. So much so that these caves, there are multiple pockets of them, <clears throat> began to fill up with water. Some of the boys could not swim. And so the, some of the boys who could didn't want to leave the boys who could not. And so they stayed there. People started looking for them. And it was about 15 days before they, before they even found where they were and located the boys. Then it was a worldwide attempt as to how to rescue these boys that were trapped in a cave. They decided they'd do a whole lot of things. Some of the divers went over to see if they can swim out with them. There were some tight curves in it, so they, so they couldn't just come out with them. They'd have to go on the water, and it was a long way out. So then the military of Thailand got involved, and they decided, well, let's see what we can do. Can we, can we bring a submarine to put the kids in and do it? But nobody had one. Enter the richest man in the world, Elon Musk. He decided I was going to do everything I could, and I'd get all my engineers together, and we would build a submarine out of the stuff from SpaceX to take it through there to get to the kids, put each kid in the submarine, and then they thought we'd be good. He built it, designed it, brought it over to Thailand himself, brought it to the cave, suggested it to the government of Thailand, and he had a gift for them. He said, okay, let's see what this gift can do. Can it help solve the problem? They, they took it down a little bit, but it couldn't because they had some tight corners that they had to turn that the, that the submarine was not flexible enough to pull off. Musk, at his own expense, spent all this money to bring a gift to them so that they could use it to get some kids out of a cave. His gift was there. The kids were still in the cave. They said, let's see, this will not work. What else can we do? Everybody thought Musk would just leave and go back. Okay, I tried my best. It can't work. Let me go back home. But he said, no, I'm here because even though you can't use the gift that I brought for you, there's still kids trapped in a cave. And I came here not just to use my gift and to bring my gift, but to get some kids out of a cave. The government of Thailand, the military, <clears throat> their, their special forces came and they created a really cool deal where they would, put, they would sedate the kids, put them on the, <clears throat> for a little while, put them on the, some oxygen mask and then swim out with each of them because some of them could not swim. The media came after the kids got out and everybody was applauding and everything else. And they said, Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk, Mr. Musk, aren't you mad that you came all this way, used your gift, gave them a gift, and they did not use it? Why did you stay? Were you staying for notoriety? Why were you staying? To which he responded, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't come here so that when I used my gift, or if they didn't use my gift, I would get mad and walk away. The ultimate reason why I came here is because some kids were trapped in a cave and I wanted to do whatever I could to get those kids out of that cave. Ladies and gentlemen, when you come to church and you have a gift and you want to use that gift, but for some reason somebody says to you, well, not in this season or not right now. I hope there's nobody under the sound of my voice that because they don't want to use your gift in the way you want to use it, that you forgot the reason for your gift. There are men and women, boys and girls, students, trapped in caves, <clears throat> financial caves, relational caves, physical caves, that they need to get out of. And if you get mad because somebody does not want to use your gift at that point, and you forget the ultimate reason for your gift, then you would have made a display of a self-centered Christian that only cares about themselves. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remind you today as to why you serve. See, because the word, the word volunteer is nowhere 
in the Bible. You don't have volunteer. What you have is servants. You see? Because at the end of your life, God's not going to say, well done, my good and faithful volunteer. Instead, what he's going to say is, well done, say it with me, my good and my faithful what Matthew 25 says. My concern for us, though, is that we think and we believe that we're doing God a favor. Some of you are still convinced that, that, that if I use a little bit of my gift, you ought to be overly grateful that, that, that you get a little bit of five minutes of my time. As if you're doing God a favor. Today, I want to set the record clear. I want, to, I want to remind you, as best I know how, as to why in the world God gave you the gift that he gave you. You see, I was talking to some pastors this last week, and I'm reminding them of something. I said, gentlemen you need, and ladies, you need to remember, <clears throat> if the people in the pews don't feel and get to enjoy their gift like you get to enjoy yours, then you're not doing your job very well. Because I get to use my gift, but everybody in every single chair at all of our campuses, on your couch, at your home, you should get to use yours too. Because God didn't just give ministers gifts, because he calls all of us ministers. That's what we are, ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, I want to I bring to your attention, first of all, how to identify a servant. And to do that, i got to look at um, when David was building his own team in First Chronicles chapter 12. Let's pick it up at roundabout verse number, verse number 16. David building his team. And I want you to watch three things. They're all in your notes. Pick it up, and you'll see there are three things about identifying. A, here's how you know what a servant looks like and what servants do. First Chronicles, let's pick it up. Uh, some, then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to the stronghold to David. Next verse. Watch it. David went out to meet them and said to them, if you come, say this word with me, everybody, peacefully to me, to help me, my heart shall be united with you. Go back to verse number 16. Let me pick up the first one for you. Please note that servants, here's how they think. Then some of the sons of Benjamin and Judah came to the stronghold of David. Now, when, when, when you're a volunteer, somebody has to beg you to show up. When you're a servant, you show up and say, put me in the game, coach. What do I need to do? What do I, I, I've gotten a gift. I know where the gift comes from. It comes from God. I just want to be in the game. What do I need to do to get in the game? Nobody has to beg you to use that gift. Nobody has to inspire you to use that gift. You know where the gift came from, so you can't wait to use it. What we got today is a, is a generation of sedity folk. Translation, people who think they're cool because they got a little bit of change. And so you now think, uh, God, you've got to convince me as to why I need to use my gift. And I need to remind you. Now, God don't have to convince you any more than he already does. And he says, these group of guys, they showed up and said, David, what do we need to do? Because we're here to help you. Number one is you take the initiative in serving. Number two, watch this. Next verse. Here we go. Then David went out to meet them. If you come, say this word with me, everybody. Now, everybody, all campuses, all together. If you come, my God, if you come peacefully. If you, not everybody show up peacefully. People show up to church with drama. And people show up to church with drama, and then they want to infect the people they serve with with drama. Oh, Pastor, say it right there. I've been there, done that. Let me help you out. You see, when you go from one church to the next, you're supposed to bring a letter with you. You know what that letter's supposed to say? It's supposed to be from the pastor of the last church saying, this person is in good standing at this church, and it is our joy to send them over there. <laughs> you know why people don't want to do it? Because they messy. So they had messed and had a fight and want to leave and come to another one. Well, you the problem. You're going to create a fight when you come here too. Because you don't come peacefully. Watch it. When you come peacefully... When you get a letter from one church to the next, here's what happens now. Here's what happens. Now you're free to just serve because now you don't have an agenda. So everything you are attached to 
there's peace there. Because you didn't leave unfinished business over here. So you don't have to take, okay, come on, watch it, watch it, okay. You don't believe me, watch the next verse, next phrase. No, 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 go back, sorry. My heart shall be united with you, that's if you come with peace. But if you, if to betray me, betray means a hidden agenda. That means you got an agenda, and so when you come to church, now you're trying to figure out if they got the same mess the last church got. So now you're not starting from zero in terms of your desire to build community. You're now starting from negative 15. So now we got to prove so you can even come to zero so we can even have a healthy conversation. So now what you have is people coming, but they have an agenda and they're looking for stuff. Because now there's a well, let me see what y'all do. Let me see what y'all do. Let me see what y'all do. No, no, no. Go work that out at your last church before you come over here. So there are three things you're looking for. Number one, let's see it. Let's show all three of them now. Uh, number one is you show initiative. Number two is you come peaceable because you've worked out your baggage issues. And then number three, you, you don't have any hidden agendas. If you're looking for a servant, that's what servants do. They take the initiative. They show up. They show up peacefully, and they have no agenda. You see, part of our challenge is that we don't realize what it means to be a servant of the Lord. Uh, Paul and Peter both call themselves bond servants of the Lord. Bond, everybody say that word to me, bond servants. bond servants. That's not everybody. Everybody get all campuses. Everybody, bond servants. Bond servants. Here, here's what a bond servant was. Um, a bond servant is somebody who owed some money, a significant amount of money. And because they owed the money, ladies and gentlemen, they had to go to jail because they couldn't afford it. So they go to jail because they couldn't afford it, and now they're locked up. What happens then? What happens is a rich person says, oh, let me show some compassion to them. So then they say, I want, I'm going to pay for them to get out of jail. So they get out of jail, and they pay for them. So they got to go to work for them to work off the amount they couldn't pay so that they can... Um, um, show their appreciation to the person for getting them out. So now they're serving them, and they have seven years. After seven years, everybody goes free. Well, when the seven year person who got bonded out now says, you've been so good to me. You've been so kind to me. I, I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to keep serving here because you've been so good to me, I can't help but continue to serve you. So a bond servant is a person that then they put something through their ears to recognize them as a bond servant, which means they're really free to go, but they're choosing because of how grateful they are to serve where they were for the rest of their lives. Do you know what you are? A bond servant to Jesus. Because when you were in all forms of sin and you had a debt you could not pay, he says, I'm going to pay that debt. And instead, he's going to go to jail so you can go free. Then he says, not only am I going to do that for you, a bond servant says. A bond servant then says, Jesus, I thank you for paying the debt. Thank you for absorbing it on the cross. But Jesus, I don't want ever to not be indebted to you because I will for the rest of my life be grateful to you for all that you have done for me. That's who a bond servant is. What we got in churches today are people who say, Jesus, I done paid that off. I don't need, I don't owe you none of that doggone thing. Let me, if you want me to serve, you got to prove how you're going to bless me because I serve. So now we have a whole group of self-centered people trying to walk around thinking God owes me something. Peter and Paul said, no, no, I am forever a loyal servant of the living God. Anybody who can predict their death, then pull it off, and predict their resurrection, then pull it off, I am indebted to them for the rest of my life, which is the spirit and the attitude we should all have too. So now, let me, if you don't mind, give you the differences between who a volunteer is 
and who a servant is. I got seven of them, and then I'm going to sit down and we're done. Number one, let's go through these quickly. Number one, who in the world is a volunteer versus who is a servant? Let's pick it up. Number one, the volunteer, volunteering is something you do. Serving is something you love. When you volunteer, oh, man, I got to do this. Oh, okay. Oh, God, I got to go to church today. They want me to serve. Oh. God, I really don't feel it. Oh, God. And all of a sudden, you, you muster up the energy to come. But it's not something you love. It's just something you do out of obligation. No, you got to watch it, and you got to be real careful with volunteering. Because volunteering really reveals where your identity is rooted. You remember back in the day when, um, when, when people had titles at church? Remember back in the day? Yeah, this is Reverend Dr. So-and-so. You know why we did that? Because we couldn't find our identity anywhere else, so we had to find it in the only place that would give us titles, which is the church. So now you have people, and it spills over today, now you have people walking in, talking, no, 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 you got to call me pastor, you got to call me, you got to call me Reverend Doctor, you got to, you got and now they emphasize, people come here all the time, hey man, what's my title? No, 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 you don't have a title. You're a servant. So you serve people, and that's how you gain influence. You don't gain influence because you got a position. You gain influence because you hang out and spend time with people, and they see you as who God's called you to be. Here's the problem for me, and here's the problem for you on your job. Don't ever miss this. This is not in your notes. You need to write it down. If your identity is messed up, how you see people is messed up. Watch this. Most people are going after success, significance, and security. Now, if you think you have to earn these three, you will always end up using people. Every time you go to work, well, I'm going to show up. I'm, I'm somebody. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to find my security in how much money I got. If you think you got to earn these to make it happen, then people will be a tool that you use to get what you want. Family, this happens every day on your job, that because of what we want, we have a tendency to use people. On the other hand, if you have already all of these because of who Jesus Christ is and your identity in Christ is right, and so he's the one that made you successful, he's the one that made you significant, and he's the one that gives you security, then you know you have them already, so you don't have to use anybody. Because you possess it in Jesus, you get to serve people. The reason we can't serve them is because we're trying to earn these. And we have a generation of people that always want to walk around and say, well, you got to call me this. People come to me all the time, Pastor, the year they just call you Conway. No, that's disrespectful. I said, no, it ain't. Because my identity ain't in what y'all think about me. My identity is in what he thinks about me. And since he already called me his son, there's no greater title you can give me than the son of the living God. So I don't care what you're hearing, PCE. What's up, Pastor E? What's up? What's up, Reverend, Dr. Bishop, the right honorable, whatever. It don't matter. Why? But you need to know why. Because my identity is not in the title. My identity is in Jesus. That's why when somebody treats you or talks to you or interacts with you in a disrespectful way, I don't have to prove myself of who I am. The problem ain't with me. The problem is with you. You don't know the Bible. That's why you're disrespectful. I'm not going to power up against you. I don't have to. Because I know who I am in Jesus. He already calls me. He has already adopted me. He has already given me purpose and a calling for my life. And so he has with you. So the question on the floor is, you going to keep trying to earn it? Or are you going to see that you have it already? Yeah. And since you do, you can walk in the confidence knowing that your God got your back, even if the people around you don't. Can I get a witness, somebody? Come on. That's number one. We've got a far way to go. Come on, let's go. Number two. Number two is uh, volunteers focus on what they give 
Servants focus on what Jesus gave. Number one says volunteering is something you do. Serving is something you love. Number two, volunteers focus on what they give. Servants focus on what Jesus gave. My God, my God, my God. Have you ever seen these volunteers that show up? <clears throat> Talking about, you better be grateful I gave you today. <laughs> be grateful? Do you think you're serving me? You ain't serving for me. You're serving for one person. You're serving for an audience of one. His name is Jesus. You ever see those people who come down? <sighs> oh, y'all lucky. I could have been four places. to Then go to the four. If you're going to tell us about the four that you could have been in, just go to them. We'll find somebody to put cover for you. It's okay. Just free yourself. Loose yourself. Free yourself and go. But you're walking around as if, as if you're God's gift to this church. And, and all of a sudden now, you just want us to make sure we're bowing down and lording it over you. Because of how good you are in corporate America, we should worship you. At the cross of Jesus Christ, everybody is equal. I don't care the degree you got. I don't care how sedity you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care where you live. I don't care who your cousin, uncle, aunt, dad is. I do not care. At the foot of the cross, that means when you come to church, we all equal. And because we all equal, ain't nobody big, everybody little. Everybody. Say everybody. everybody. Oh, you say that real quick, don't you? You say that real good. One more time. Everybody. everybody. Little. Why well, you don't say little like that? Everybody. everybody. Little. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. We really are. For real. This is a big one, though, y'all, because most of us think that, um, that, that we prioritize what we bring to the table. And we want everybody to know, you ought to be grateful for what I brought to the table. And ladies and gentlemen, that's not the case. We ought to be, we ought to be grateful for what Jesus brought to the table. That's why you're a servant. That's why you're not a star. Because in his kingdom, stars go up. St servants go up. Stars go down. Um, one, of, one of the most prolific and powerful um, evangelistic movement of all time took place in the what's called the Moravian Church. The Moravian Church. It's a denomination that was extraordinarily evangelistic. Well, there's just one group of people. True story now that were trying to that were trying to witness and get into a Caribbean island in the 1700s, into the Caribbean island to witness to about three to four thousand slaves. They couldn't get in because the owner didn't want them to come and, e and evangelize the people. So all of a sudden, um, they wanted to go to the Caribbean, and they were coming from the, 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 the Danish-German area, and they wanted to go. And these two people from this Moravian church said, well, we want to go. We want to go, but they won't let us come. Two white guys, young white guys. And they said, well, what if we become slaves? Can we become slaves that go down and then just work with the slaves and then communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, by the way, what are people at today? Ain't nobody doing that stuff today. They be talking about, oh, uh-uh, no, 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 ain't doing that. <clears throat> but then the court system said, no, you can't because you're white. Only black people are slaves, not white people. So you can't. And they said, well, okay, hold on. Here's our argument. And they presented an argument. And said, well, we, we can do carpentry, we can cut sugar cane, we can, and, and they showed them all the stuff that they could do and all the evidences that they could do it. And then they said, okay. And they said, you can be safe. So they put them in the same ship with slaves, took them over to the Caribbean island, uh, St. John, St. Thomas, and they got to work with the slaves and they got to evangelize the slaves all because they were willing to become one so they could reach one. That's not the point of the story, though. They are leaving 
And they're leaving the, the dock where they were, and all their family, all their friends gathered, and everybody's crying, and they're saying, oh my gosh, what? we're so proud of you. What a great sacrifice. We couldn't do it, but thank you. You're doing it. And they're all applauding them, and they're all applauding them as if they're doing something so incredible, and it is. But their response back to them as they were chained and taken on that boat was these words. And today, it is still used in the Moravian church. Hear the words. May the lamb that was slain be the one to receive the reward for his suffering. They're going to suffer for what they're doing. And they said, this ain't suffering. This? What we doing? Well, at least we're still alive. At least we ain't not yet getting flogged. This ain't suffering. What Jesus did was suffering. So if anybody gets praise in this situation, it ain't me. It's the one that went to Calvary on our behalf. Let's give him praise for that. Ladies and gentlemen, every time you serve, you don't dare take the credit. The reason you're serving is because of what Jesus did, not because of what you are doing. You're a little complaining, ah. Well, well think of, think of the, the, the groans of Jesus Christ on that cross, and it will motivate you to keep on going. Listen, listen, that's not the end of the story. <clears throat> because of their sacrifice, about 13,000 people on these islands got saved, but not just in St. Thomas and St. John, but also in St. Kitts, also in St. Croix, also in Jamaica. Do you know where my dad used to preach at? A Moravian church sometimes. What's the irony of in 1743, two white men gave their lives to become slaves, to serve, to then start churches in the Caribbean, of which then my dad was one of the communicators in one of those churches. So then he sent me here so I can talk to you today, all because of men, two of them, white men, who suffered so that people could come and know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Can I get a witness on the greatness of your God? We love to tell negative stories. There go a positive one of some people who gave up everything they had for the sake of the gospel. Ladies and gentlemen, volunteers focus on what they give. Servants focus on what Jesus gave. Let's go. Keep going. We got to go quickly now. Um, um, volunteers keep score. Servants make sacrifices. Say it with me because I want you to realize it. Volunteers. That's not everybody. Volunteers. Servants. You ever hear volunteers say something like this? You do know for the last three weeks I've served every Sunday. <laughs> Some of you said it today. <laughs> well, you do know, and you list a group of five people. They haven't served. I, can I call them and tell them it's time, their time to serve right now? Because you keep score. Because you're really, you're really struggling to do this, and you really don't see the great benefit of it. But you're struggling, and you're, you're, you're focusing on what you're doing instead of the sacrifices he makes. Ladies and gentlemen, as a volunteer, God called us to be servants, not volunteers. So if you're going to be a servant, then you got to get this idea of keeping score out of your head. What we do is we make sacrifices, and we do it with joy on the inside. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa. Uh, one of the biographers is um, being interviewed about her and her life and stuff, and somebody got really impressed with her life. So I said, hey, man, tell me a little bit more about Mother Teresa. Um, so they're talking about, and they're telling her about how compassionate she was, how kind she was, how, how incredibly um, gifted she was, and how when she sat in front of a kid, the kids just loved her, and they're telling the whole story. And then they turned the corner and said, hey, well, give me something that you didn't like about Was there something that was weird about her? Was there, give me something that's just not all pristine and pretty. And I said, no, I mean, the lady was like, literally, I could find no fault with her. Walked away, and they said, oh, no, 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 I got some. I got some. She had deformed feet. Her feet were weird. They were kind of curled up and deformed. I sometimes wondered how she would walk. 
but I never knew why. I don't know if she was born this way. To which then one of the nuns that served with Mother Teresa came up and said, no, no, no. Let me tell you why her feet were deformed. So you see, because every single, every single time people would bring a lot of shoes over, Mother Teresa would look through those shoes. And she would make sure that she took the worst of all the shoes. Because she didn't want everybody else to get the bad shoes. So she took the worst one for herself and gave everybody better shoes. So what happened over time is she, and she did this every single time. She would take the worst because she didn't. So the ones that had very little soul, it's so worn, it's touching the ground, you can see through it. Those are the ones she wore. The ones were where it was really tight, but nobody else needed that size, and her size was a, a, a little bigger, but she would take it. Why? Because nobody else needed that one, but somebody needed the size that was her size, so she gave hers up, and she wore shoes too small for her so that everybody around her could walk comfortably while she walked in pain. And here comes Mother Teresa. Foot contorted because she always put other people before her. And we complaining about getting to church early when it was a lifestyle for her? That's because we keep score. She made sacrifices. Where's the generation of Christians that get it? We don't, we don't keep score. I can't outgive God. I'm here to serve him. This is, this is his bride. Nobody has to beg me to do this. Nobody has to, nobody has to call me to remind me to come. This is what I do because of what he has done. Number four, come on. Y'all look real guilty right now. Um, number, four, <laughs> number four, volunteers are time sensitive. Servants are, ooh, are need sensitive. Volunteers care. Hey man, hold on now, hold on. How much is this going? How much is this going to cost me? How much time? I've got my own life. Leave me alone. Servants are need sensitive. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan, don't you? What does the preacher do? Ah, don't have time for that. Ah, let me walk by on the other side. The Samaritan came and the Samaritan sat and said, I, I, I got something to do, but, but, but the need is so important. Let me be present with the need. Then I'm going to meet the need, but then I'm going to check back up on the person because I care so deeply for them. I wonder if we're time sensitive or need sensitive. I wonder if we care that people are trapped in caves, if we care that kids are trapped in, 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 in anxiety caves. And so, hey, man, you just love, I, I can't serve this week. I know these kids are dependent on me and students, but I can't serve this week because I got too much to do. And so we care way more about our time than another kid feeling that somebody has bailed on them again. No consistency because they only do it at their Convenience. Uh, volunteers are, are time sensitive. Servants are, say with me, need sensitive. Let's go. Let's go this last. Uh, let's try. Come on, let's go. Volunteers want themselves to look good. Servants want God to look good. A volunteer says, hey, man, I, I, I want to make sure I look good so it's on my resume. So you pad your resume that, hey, man, look, I serve, I serve at my church. Look at what I do. Servants want God to look good. Volunteers complain that I can't believe this little nasty kid got snot on my nice Louis V. I can't believe they did. Because you just want to look good when you leave the nursery. You ain't going to look good when you leave the nursery. They're going to pull your hair out. They're going to do whatever they want. You ain't going to look good and you're not going to smell good. Deal with it, okay? It's the nursery. It ain't your call then. Just stay out of there. Go to the older kids. <laughs> they want to look good. But by the way, do you notice? Do you notice? Do you notice? Most of the things you can see about the body, you can do without. You can do without an arm, can't you? And still live. You can do without a leg and still live. 
He can do it out of eye and still live. But the stuff you can't see, oh, you can't do it out of those. You can't do it out of heart. You don't have one of them? Gone. <laughs> Gone. Then why is it that most of us only want the showy thing? We only want, hey, I want to be seen. We don't want to do the stuff in the background. I want to be on the praise steam. Well, I know who you are. Yeah, but that's why, but, but I can sing. Oh, okay, a lot of people can sing. But you want to be seen. Why, 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 why don't we stay, why don't we stay in the choir for a little bit and let's see faithfulness? No, y'all just don't want a sister or a brother to use their gift. You just, you just want to hold me back. No unwise person. That's not what I want to say. No unwise person. We want to see faithfulness. And by the way, sometimes if you're faithful, God will make room for you. But, but, but don't want to start on top. Because when you start on top and then we find stuff out, all of a sudden... You drop real quick or you go to the next church because you care so much about how you look and about being known and having more followers and having more friends than you do just serving. Just serving. That's all he's called us to do. Let's go. Um, what number am I at? Five. Number six. Here we go. Volunteering is about convenience. Serving is about commitment. Well, I don't know that it's convenient for me this week, so I might not be able to serve with you. I don't know, I don't know that I can commit to all that because my life is way more important than anything y'all have to offer. Number seven. Last one. Here we go. Number seven. Volunteering makes you feel superior. Serving makes you humble. Volunteering makes you say, hey, guys, look at what I do. This is me. Take the pick. Hey. Servant says, I couldn't care less about the chair. What I care less about is the people in the cave and that they get delivered. I'm done with this. Turn the page over. Here's the phrase I want you to remember, and I want you to say it with me a couple times. If you're too big for the small things, then you're too small for the big things. Say it with me three times, everybody. If you're too big, then you're too for the, come on, two more times. If you're too for the, then you're too for the last time. Everybody, all campuses, everybody say it together. Shout it out loud. If you're too for the, then you're too for the, the back of your page says this. David. Jesse said, hey, David, um, can you just, I, I know you're doing some stuff with the sheep. I know you're taking care of them. I know you're protecting them. But can you, can you take your brothers some lunch? That's why they need some lunch. Can you just carry a sandwich to your brothers? Oh, yeah, Dad, come on. Yeah, yeah, I'll go quickly. Oh, yeah, thanks for the opportunity. A small thing. He gets to the battlefield. And they're facing a giant. And he says, you uncircumcised Philistine. The opportunity was behind the small thing. Don't ever forget it. You're missing out on some stuff because you don't want to do the small things. Opportunities that God has uniquely hidden behind the small things, but you're missing it because you're so focused on the big thing. A little donkey. Uh, 533 years earlier, Zechariah prophesied, hey, dude, there's going to be a guy that brings Jesus a donkey. <laughs> What's his name? Nobody knows. What was his career? Nobody knows. What did he look like? Nobody knows. What was his Instagram account? Nobody knows. But yet still, he fulfilled prophecy so that Jesus Christ could have his triumphant entry. And he gave a donkey so that Christ could fulfill his purpose. Here's my question for you. What's the small thing? A donkey. 
that you're giving so that somebody else can get their purposes achieved. But you're running from the small thing so you won't see your opportunity and you won't help others get to their purpose because you're running from the small thing because you're too big for it. Jesus Christ with his, with his uh, 12 disciples picks up a towel. That's number three. Picks up a towel. He's carrying a towel. Why? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords says, this is who I really am. I'm the chief servant of all. And this is what servants do. We serve other people. And we are delighted to do it. It's not a strategy. It's who we are. My question for you is, is it a strategy? Oh, yeah, it's the new servant leader, a model of leadership. Or is it just who you are? There's nothing, there's nothing too big for you because everybody, little. Everybody. Last thing and then I'm done. I told, so I told you this some years ago, but I'll tell you again. Um, I'm at the airport. A lady, older white lady came by. Very nice car. And I'm waiting for Jada. She pulls up. It's right there. She says, um, comes out of the car. Um, yes. Can you, can you get my bags, please? No, I had a moment there. Real <laughs> quick moment. <laughs> Literally about three seconds. I could walk in the flesh <laughs> or I could walk in the spirit. <laughs> on this occasion, because there have been others, on this occasion, I decided to walk in the spirit. I said, sure, I'd love to. Yeah, okay, yeah. Let me get them out for you. Where are we going today? Yeah, sure, okay. American Airlines? Okay, cool, let's go. Yeah, um, would you like me to put it on the, on the, on the, on the thingy, the scales, so we can weigh them, or, or would you like me just to stay here until you're finished? And I was the sweetest person you've ever seen. Number one, because what she thinks of me does not define me. Number two, because maybe I'd have an opportunity one day to see her again. I can't wait for the day she come into this church. Before you laugh, what happens if that happens to you? Do you need to make a statement? This is the problem with all of y'all. This is the problem with all of y'all. Y'all trying to all of y'all. Is that the statement you're trying to make? Or are you going to simply serve her? You don't have to fix her. It's okay. She just needed somebody kind that day. And God's not working on her. He's working on you. And he's saying, can you just, can you just do what I've asked? So fam, this whole week, all we get to do is serve. That's what we're doing. This whole week, everybody, 100% participation, all we get to do is go serve somebody else. That's your assignment. And don't say, well, I don't have time. Not after what he's done for you. We get to serve a community that desperately needs people who don't have an agenda. All they want to do is be a blessing to you. So I don't care who you are. I want you to make sure that you're serving this week. Go find somewhere at home in your, in your bulletin here. You've got all kinds of opportunities for you to go serve. Just take one now and say, family, I don't care what we do, but we're going to serve God and we're going to serve some people this week at one of these nonprofits in my house on your street. We're going to adopt the street and pick up every single paper we see anywhere there is. But here's what you don't get to do. Come up with a reason why you don't have time. You get to do it this week. And then you get to get plugged in. The chair you're sitting in, somebody paid for that chair. Every time you come, somebody's serving around you to make you have a good experience. Nobody has to tell you. Just say, sign me up. It's time for me to serve. Nobody has to tell you. Nobody has to beg you. Nobody has to employ you. Nobody has to say, is there one? Come on. You can do it for Jesus. After all that he has done for us, it's the reasonable service. 
So you have two assignments on your way out. You got one of these in your chair, and you got these this week. If you're not serving at this church, please find somewhere to serve. That's why we do what we do. So other people get served when they come here. It's your turn too. And then on this one, every family this week, we gave, and some of you still have to give, but we gave, and now it's time to serve. And we're going to serve these nonprofits, and we're going to represent them well, and we're going to love on these people and serve them like it is our absolute greatest joy to serve them. No excuses. That's what we do. Thank you for your generosity. The goal now is $100,000. You guys can do it. I love asking for money for other people. I don't like asking it for a church. But for other people, it's easy. Some of you need to put the, dollar, the decimal point over two because it's blessed you more than $40. You don't like that, do you? <laughs> Let's pray, Father. You've been so good to us. <laughs> we just love you. Um, we, just, we just are grateful. We cannot believe we get to live where we live. We get to serve where we serve. We get to worship the God we worship. And we get to smile and enjoy life the way we get to enjoy it. We don't have bombs coming over our heads. We don't have bunkers that we got to go to. It's God's you've uniquely blessed us, at least in this season. And for that, we're grateful. Will you remind your people um, to find an opportunity to serve this week, 100% participation, and have every last one of us serve? Will you do that for me, please, God? Will you do that for us as a body? We're grateful. We'll love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said?